0: Good morning, class. Uh, It's exciting that you came back. (laughs) I appreciate that. We had a wonderful time last week. I hope it was enjoyable and informative for you. And we look forward to what the Lord has for us today as well. Now, before we start, since we're talking about prayer, let's pray. What about that? Father, thank you so very much for the privilege we have of looking into your word and allowing it to speak to our hearts. Your revelation is our wisdom and our direction. So we pray that you would minister in a very special way during this time and that you would give me good recall and the ability to to explain to the best of my ability. And we'll thank you for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, folks, this morning I want to review just a little bit because we covered a bit of material last time. And uh, I want to remind you of some of those things. And I also want to say to you this morning that I know that much of what I'm dealing with in these early sessions is something that you're familiar with. But hopefully I'm encouraging you not only get to get the biblical concepts but to be able to anchor them to various texts, to verify what you say you believe, to be able to put into your mental computer the data that's necessary to talk to other people about these things in the days to come. Now, by way of review, I want to say to you, first of all, last week I told you a statistic that I think is just overwhelming to me. There are 600, approximately, 650 prayers in the Bible, 130 of them in the New Testament, and approximately 38 Pauline prayers in the New Testament. Now, when we think about that, and we think about what we believe about the Word of God, you remember Paul says, these things are written for our admonition, on whom the ends of the ages are come. In other words, this is material that we're supposed to use for the benefit of our own lives and the lives of others. It's not just information that happens to be in the Bible. It's in the Bible purposely. Amen? Now, so we want to look at that, and uh, we want to be able to prioritize prayer. I tried to emphasize that to you last time. Remember I quoted uh, Wesley oh, I didn't quote him, told you about him, little primitive Methodist uh, lady. By the way, primitive Methodist people were the ones that led Charles Haddon Spurgeon to the Lord. And she was from that particular fellowship. And she told me about him and and took me up to his bedroom where his prayer uh, closet was, a section cut out of the wall, about four by four. And actually, we had prayer in his prayer closet, but he'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He prioritized prayer. The other one I'll mention, because Pastor and I both have a a hero, and that's Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And one time, Moody, who is a good friend, they were buddies. By the way, when when Spurgeon died, his wife sent his pulpit Bible to Moody at Northfield. And I was there at the Northfield schools, looked in the... A museum there, and there's Spurgeon's Bible laying out there with notes written all in it. And it was, it's just amazing. But uh, one time, Moody was asked if he had heard Spurgeon preach. And the answer was, well, yes. But better still, and here's the quote, yes, but better still, I heard him pray. Now, so, child of God, the emphasis that I'm trying to make here is not only is prayer a priority for you and me, but we need to understand that the great spiritual leaders down through the years emphasize the priority of prayer in their ministry. And the Bible does the same thing. Now, last time together, we went over the different kinds of prayer. There are five different kinds of prayer. And people have all uh, form, all kinds of formulas to help them to remember the different kinds of prayer. But we shared with you there are two verses in the New Testament. One in First Timothy two and verse one, which lists four of the prayers, and then in First John chapter one, verse nine, we have the final one. And they are supplication, adoration, intercession, thanksgiving, and confession. They're the four different kinds. Then we talk to you about The Standard Operational Procedures, that's a term I use from the military, SOPs, Standard Operational Procedures. Four of them, you must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Second, you must persevere in prayer. Third, you must have purposeful prayer. And five, you must have faith-believing prayer when you pray and expect God to respond. Now, they're the things that we covered last time. Today, I want to do something that you've probably heard. But I want you to be able to anchor it to the Scripture. And that's to talk about the various kinds of responses to prayer by our God. And there are four of them. I want to tell you them ahead of time. By the way, I have a little note here I want to remind you. Please bring your Bible. And please open them and turn to the passages with me because I think it's so important that we understand this is what the Bible says. And I know it does because here's at least one verse or a couple of verses that I know that can uh, verify that. But there are four different kinds of prayer. The first one, God could say no negative answers. The second one, God would delay. We wouldn't get the answer when we think we should have gotten it. God is not a creature of time like we are. And so consequently, he operates on his time schedule, not ours. So it could be delayed from our perspective. But from his perspective, it's right on time. And when it all happens and we look back over it, we say, yeah, he was right. It was on time. What delayed prayers. Third is different answers than what we want. We pray for one thing, he gives us something else. And that can be negative or positive. And finally, positive answers to prayer. That's when he actually answers our prayer and answers in the way we're asking him to do it. Now let's talk about the negative prayers first. With the time that I have today, I'm going to watch the clock closely. But I want to amplify each of them as best I can. There are three illustrations that I would share with you this morning that uh, perhaps you've even heard before. And that, uh, that uh, indicate there is, there is a negative prayer response on God's part sometimes. The first one is Moses. And I want you to go with me to Deuteronomy or uh, not Deuteronomy, Numbers uh, chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. And I want you to look at verse 7 through verse 12. Numbers chapter 20. Everybody, I hear those pages turning. That's good. I appreciate you doing that. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 7. Numbers chapter 20, verse 7. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Take the rod. Oh, you already remember the situation. Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock. That's the key word. Speak to the rock. Again down at verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, And he said unto them, Hear now, you rebels, you rebellious people, must we fetch you water out of the rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and uh, with uh, his rod he smote the rock. Now notice the difference in verbs, speak and spoke. Now you say, well, that's no big deal. Well, from God's perspective, it is. And he explains to us why he had such a negative response to Moses wanting to go into the promised land. That's where this is going. Notice verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, because, watch it, because you believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I uh, have given to them. You believe me not. Now, child of God, we've got to think about that a minute. To believe in God and to trust God means I believe what he says, I have confidence in what he says, and uh, I'm going to follow through on it. He's right, even if I think differently, he's right and I'm wrong. We believe God and act on it. What does God say to Moses in there? You did not believe me. It is the common word for belief. Now, I want you to, to think about that a second. The observation that I would make is that these, uh, this response on the part of these two priests was a response of unbelief. They didn't, listen to me, They did not believe that God was doing what he ought to. They were angry with the people. He called them rebels, Moses did. And God says, but you didn't believe me. You thought what I was doing was wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. You didn't believe me. Got it? Don't miss that. That's very important for us to understand. Now, when you get over to verse 23, notice what it says. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron on Mount Hor, and by the coast of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, for he shall not uh, enter into the land. Now, Aaron doesn't get to go. Moses is still uh, on, on the job. Now go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3. And I think this is where we'll see God takes very seriously this disbelief and rejection of what God was doing on the part of Moses and Aaron. Notice in uh, verse 24 of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 3. O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness. Listen to this prayer. And thy mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or earth, that can do according to your works and according to your might. I pray thee, verse 25, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond the, uh, the Jordan. Verse 26, but God was angry with me for your sakes. I didn't believe him and didn't act in the way I should have, but would not, uh, and would not hear me The Lord said to me, let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me about this matter. Don't bring that subject up again. Now, that's a negative response. And, child of God, sometimes we get those negative responses. And we need to understand they come. And because uh, they are negative, sometimes it is the result of sin in our life. That's the first reason why we could get a negative answer. Moses and Aaron sin. I'm a dirty, rotten, stinking sinner, and so are you. So sometimes when we're in the midst of sin, God says, no. Amen? That's the first one. Now, the second one is in Matthew 26, 39, and it's the Lord Jesus. And I'm not going to turn to that one, but you write it down. Matthew 26, verse 39. And it's the prayer that Jesus prayed before the crucifixion. Lord, remember, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What was the answer? No. Why? Because he went to the cross. He went to the cross. Christ, the Son of God, in human flesh received a negative answer not because of his sin but because it would benefit other people that he went ahead and drank that cup in other words negative answers child of god come into our lives why because the circumstances that we're asking god to remove is good for other people am i making sense now Let me give you an example of that. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. This is a text that talks about the circumstances in our life and they are good for other people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 4. Look what it says. Blessed, here's a prayer, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who what? Who comforts us in all of our tribulation. Now look up here a second. I have a tribulation. I'm in stage four prostate cancer. I'm not complaining because God uses it. And when circumstances come into your life, Sometimes we say lord please remove this but he doesn't and this text tells us why look at it who verse 4 who comforts us in all of our tribulation that purpose clause that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of god look at that god lets me have cancer in my life so that when he comforts me in this circumstance, I can in turn turn around from that experience and comfort others with the comfort wherewith I have received comfort from God. Amen? I have a friend up in Wisconsin. I was telling the pastor about him the other day. He calls me on a regular basis. I led him to Christ at Fort Lee, Virginia after we came back from Vietnam. He came down with prostate cancer. That's what I've got. And he called me, and he called me about once a week or every other week, and he wants to talk about what he's going through. He's going blind. He's had prostate cancer and all that. And he wants to hear somebody who understands his problem and knows that God is helping him to have victory to some extent. He wants to be able to talk to me and gain that comfort from me that I've gotten from God. Does that make sense? So sometimes God says, No, you're going to keep on going with this problem because you can help others that have this problem. Amen? That amen doesn't sound too late. Oh. All right. Now there's a third one I want you to look at, and that's the Apostle Paul. And I don't want to turn to it because I think you know it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. Paul goes into the third heaven. He receives revelation and uh, he comes back, and God gives him what is referred to as the thorn in the flesh. And Paul says, I prayed he'd take it away. In fact, I prayed three different times in particular to ask him to take it away. He didn't do it. Now, why is that? He let him go through that because he wanted to help. Paul to keep him from being prideful to keep him humble amen so these kinds of negative answers come sometimes like with Moses our own sin sometimes like the Lord Jesus that it might benefit other people and sometimes like the apostle Paul for our own people a benefit to keep us humble before the Lord now There's negative prayers, and we need to understand that. When I look at the television sometimes, folks, and I hear some of these televangelists, they're expecting a response from God immediately and to get exactly what they want every time. My Bible says that's not so. Amen? Not so. Now, the second response is the delayed response. Now, I want you to go with me. We're going to talk about Hannah. I've grown to really appreciate Hannah in the scripture. I want you to go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 1 to 7. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and its verses 1 to 7. I hear the pages turning. That's great. 1 Samuel chapter 1. I got it. 1 Samuel 1. Here's what it said. I'm going to read through it very quickly because there's a point I want to make that is significant. Hannah did not get the answer to her prayer immediately. In fact, it went on for years, and she didn't get an answer. Notice 1 Samuel chapter 1. The first thing is <coughs> Elkaniah, her husband, and had two wives, verse 2. And this man went up uh, uh, out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice at Shiloh. That's in verse 3. In verse 4, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, there's the circumstances. And then in verse 7, and as he did so year by year. No answer from God. When she went up (coughs) to the house of the Lord, she, that is the other wife, provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Now, it goes on for years. How many? We don't know. But she didn't get her answer. It was delayed. Was there sin in her life? No. What is the delay? Why the delay? That is a mystery. Most of the time, we don't know. But we do know in this case, I think. Look at it, verse 11. She, Hannah now, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid and remember me, but will give unto thy handmaid a male child, then... I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. Year after year, Hannah prays, Lord, give me a son. Lord, give me a son. And finally, after numerous years, her prayer, it appears, changes. Lord, if you will give me a son, I will give him to you for the rest of his life. May I make an observation? God allows us to go down the paths of life so that we learn and we change our thinking a lot of times. And that's what's happened here. Hannah says, not from me, the Lord, I'll give him back to you. Amen? Amen? When I was born, I was first born, uh, my mom... they didn't think was going to live. There were some kind of complications. I don't know what it was. My dad, after we were married, Betty and I were married and had three kids, he finally told me one day, he said, son, when I thought your mom was going to die, I prayed and said, Lord, spare my wife and take my son. And my dad looked me in the face and he said I didn't know he was going to take him the way I thought he would. He was talking about the fact God called me to preach and he's using me in that way. Does that make sense? My dad had to get to that point. Lord, I'm willing to give up my son for my wife. Delayed answer. Then the, the second one, that's First Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. The second example, child of God, is in Daniel 10. You remember he's praying for 23 days, and uh, finally he gets an answer from the angel that says, hey, God sent me three weeks ago. But the bottom line is I was wrestling with the prince of Persia, one of the evil angels that was over the kingdom of, of Persia. And Michael, the archangel, had to come and help me. But now I'm here to answer your prayer. Now listen, child of God. Those kinds of spiritual things are going on today. I'm sure of it for America right now. Amen? And the text is telling us that uh, God allowed that to happen. The question is, why? Why didn't he just send Michael, the archangel, right away? He didn't. Why? I don't know. But he delayed so that Daniel would appreciate probably the answer when it did come. Now, child of God, delayed answers. One of the things I have discovered in my ministry, I've pastored three different churches, been an interim in about 30-some, as well as teaching in three different Bible colleges for over a 30-some year, almost 35 years. One of the things I've discovered, child of God, down through the years is the fact that there are delays in the scripture. God does not always answer our prayers immediately. The illustration, Hannah, illustration Daniel, but illustration, your life and mine. It's what I call, child of God, providential prayer pace. God's providence working behind the scenes at his own pace. Providential pace. Now I want to show you that. I want you to be overwhelmed. I'm not going to turn to them all, but I want you to be overwhelmed with how frequent this teaching is found in the Bible. Go with me to the book of Psalms, and I want you to go with me to Psalm 9. Psalm 9 delayed answers and there are all kinds of passages that indicate that the psalmists and the people of god in the past struggled with this providential pace now i want you to look at 9 psalm 9 verses 1 to 5 notice what it says i will praise thee O oh Lord, with my whole heart I will show forth all your marvelous works. I will be glad and I will rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name most high. So he's praising God at that point. Now notice verse 17 and verse 18. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. In other words, he's praising God for all that he's doing And he's saying, ultimately, what is going to happen? The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forgot God. For, watch it, don't miss the wording. For the needy shall uh, not always be forgotten. The expectation of uh, of the poor shall not perish forever. Now, what do those words imply? They imply that the poor people are waiting, but they won't always perish. But they're waiting, they're poor, they need God's help. And He doesn't seem to be responding. That's providential pace. Does that make sense to you? Now look at verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell, all the nations that have forgotten God, for the needy shall not always be forgotten. In other words, Providential Pace says, where is God? Has he forgotten our situation? See it? Now, go with me uh, to verse, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Notice what the psalmist says. Why standest thou afar off? Why hidest thy face in times of trouble? Look at that. Lord, in times of trouble... Why is it we experience no reaction from you? you? It's like you're hiding your face. Where are you? Now, child of God, I don't know how many people in this room, but I bet you a bunch of you can say, yeah, I've been there. Amen. We've been there. Now, notice verse 2. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in devices vices that they have imagined. Now, Look at verse 11 and 12 of chapter 10. Why are you hiding your face, Lord? Verse 11. He have said in his heart. Now, the psalmist is talking about wicked people that are pick, picking on the saints. Notice what he said. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. That's what the wicked say. Now, look up here. Why do they say that? Because God is not acting. So they assume God's forgotten all about it. That's providential pace. Notice what the text. He has said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his faith. He will never see it. Now the first thing I want you to see there in verse 11, he has forgotten. The challenge of God's sovereign grace is negligence. God doesn't Take things seriously. He's just forgotten. He's being negligent toward his people. Yeah? The second thing, he hides his faith. He will never see it. He just turns away. He doesn't want to know. He's not watching. He's totally indifferent. He's negligent, and he's indifferent. Who's saying that? The wicked, because they're getting by with all their sin against the saints. Now notice verse 12. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand. Forget not the humble. Look at that. He's responding to the challenge. Lord, don't forget. They say you're forgetting. Lord, don't forget. Wherefore doth the wicked condemn God? He hath said in his heart, you will not require it. He doesn't care. Lord, don't be indifferent toward your people. Now, may I say to you this morning, child of God, I've experienced that many times down through the years. And I have to say, Lord, where are you? And why haven't you responded uh, in our situation? I've had experiences where... I've expected God to respond right away. And he doesn't respond at all. When I came back from Vietnam after being in the 1st Infantry Division in the jungle for an entire year, I found out I was sprayed with Agent Orange, the defoliant. They call it Agent Orange because... They put it in 55-gallon drums and painted the orange, so everybody realized what a chemical, a dangerous chemical, this was. It ended up being called Agent Orange. I was sprayed with it for a year. I came back. I ended up with prostate cancer, but my wife became pregnant with our fourth son. And when he was born, she had a hard pregnancy. When he was born, he had multiple birth defects. We didn't know all of that at the time. All we knew, child of God, was that God could heal him if he wanted to, and we certainly wanted him to. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And God didn't respond to our prayer. But we went through all of that difficulty. Delayed response. And finally, we realized it was a negative response. Have you been there? I'm sure some of the ladies in this room have have lost children. And we wonder, where is God? But he knew what he was doing. And as I said a few moments ago, When we go through those kinds of difficulties in our life, as time goes on, we begin to experience why God let them happen. You remember 2 Corinthians 1, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our difficulties so we can comfort others. When I was pastoring in Dayton, Ohio, Kenny Myers, one of my deacons, called me up one day and said, Pastor, you've got to go see my mom and dad. Ken was a deacon, faithful member of our church. His mom and dad weren't believers. He had a little sister, Belinda. She got off the school bus one afternoon in front of the house, and the bus sign was up, stopped. She ran across the street expecting the cars away. car hit her and killed her right there in front of her house. Kenny said, Pastor, you got to go. I said, Pastor, uh-uh, Kenny, I'm not their pastor. No, they don't have a pastor. Well, where do they go? To? They don't go to church. Pastor, you've got to go. Now, folks, may I say something to you? Just be perfectly honest. There are times in pastoral ministry when you don't want to do what you got to do. And this was one of those cases. But I went to the house, and I sat down in the living room with Mr. and Mrs. Myers, devastated, and didn't know the Lord. And it was just like a brick wall. No matter what I said, I knew it was senseless. Finally, all of a sudden, I think it was the prompting of God. Tell them about Timmy. And I said, Mr. and Mrs. Myers, I don't understand totally what you're going through. But I do understand it to agree. I had a son, and his name was Timmy. All of a sudden, I had their attention. Why? Because they knew I knew what they were going through. And I had the privilege, listen to me, I had the privilege of leading that couple down the road to the Lord and baptizing them and bring them into the membership of our church. Now, where would that come from? God let us go through the loss of Timmy so we could minister to people like that. Am I making sense this morning? That's the different kinds of answers to prayer. Negative answers, delayed answers. I want you to to see a couple more here in Psalm that talk about the delayed answers. Go with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Notice what it says. Psalm 22. Look at verse 2. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, and thou hearest not. That's the psalmist talking now. Lord, you're not listening. And in the night season... And I am not silent. But then notice what say, Thou art holy. And that's where we gotta be. Lord, what are you doing? How come you're not responding? But Lord, I recognize you are the holy God. And we got to get to that point in our life. Look at Psalm 37. Let me show you another. I told you I wanted to kind of overwhelm you with this. Look at Psalm 37. And look at verse 7 and verse 9. Notice what the psalmist says. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently, the text says, for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. The evildoers shall be cut off. See it? Go to chapter 40. Look what it says. Chapter 40. You've got to emphasize this in your thinking, child of God. Look up here a minute. You have to change your thinking. I have to change my thinking. I can't think like I hear people in churches all over the country talk i've got to think biblically not churchianity you with me that's not a word and misuse but you get my point all right now notice verse 40 uh, chapter 40 verse 1 i waited patiently for the lord he inclined unto me and heard my prayer go with me to isaiah Uh, No, I want you to go with me to chapter 44, Psalm 44. I preach from this passage in the church here. First time, pastor, let me preach. Psalm 44. Now look at the text. Verse 1. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work you did in their days and times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with your hand. Planest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out, and so on. And then he says, verse 7 But thou hast saved us. It's not only what we heard as testimonies from people in the past, but for us as well. Thou hast saved us from our enemies and put them to shame uh, that hateth us. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. I'll tell you another war story. (laughs) I just had a note in my margin that made me think about it. God takes care of us. Even when we do stupid things and know better, he takes care of us. Amen? You realize that, don't you? And you wonder sometimes why God even bothers. But in his mercy and his grace, he loves us and we say thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen? I came back out of the jungle one day I think it was in Foot Ben. it might have been uh, kind of low, I don't know Foot Ben, I think. And I had a hooch there, and I came in to get some clean uniform forms to write some sympathy letters and, and check on folks and go to the hospital and then head right back out to the field. I was dirty, I was nasty. I hadn't had a change of clothes on for like a week. I stunk and I was walking down the path I passed the supply sergeant we spoke and each of us went our own way the siren went off and it indicated incoming rounds and I could hear them start exploding they were walking them down the airstrip now dummy not having enough sense oh that's over by the airstrip, I'm tired I am not going to go run and jump in any bunker dumb a 122 that's a rocket about this big around about 6 foot tall they fire those things off with a battery charge sometimes and it fly through there it hit the tree that I was under and exploded It blew up a couple of buildings around me. But the shrapnel went out like this, like an umbrella. The concussion knocked me out, throwing me on the ground. When I got up, the base of that 122 rocket, and I have a slide somewhere to prove it, was laying at my feet. God sustained me and took care of me in the midst of all of that. Amen? He does that kind of thing for us. Now you say, well, what does that got to do with providential pace? Well, go to verse 23. Lord, are you taking care of us? We brag about you all day long. But now verse 23. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. wherefore hidest thou thy face and forgettest our affliction and our oppression. Now, it just sounds like talk. We shouldn't be talking. But this is what the psalmist says. For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaveth to the earth, arise for our help, redeem us for your mercy's sake. See it? Brag, brag, brag. God, you are the great God. Where are you, Lord? Why are you asleep? Wake up. We need your help. Now, child of God, that's providential pace. And it's all through the Scripture. Remember in Isaiah 40, when he says to uh, Israel, why do you say, O oh Jacob, why do you say, O oh Israel, my way is not known by the Lord and the justice that is due me? You're not responding to it. End of the chapter. But those that wait on the Lord. Amen. So we don't know what God's always doing, but child of God, we got to trust him. Amen? All right, so there are negative answers. There are delayed answers. There are different answers. Now, in the different answers, I want you to write down two passages. My time's getting away, so I don't want to make sure we get through. Uh, in First Kings, in chapter 3, Solomon is asked to pray. What does he pray for? Lord, give me wisdom. God says, you didn't ask for Riches? I'm gonna give you wisdom, but I'm gonna give you riches also. But in the in uh, Psalm 106, go with me there. We see a negative, different answer, and I gotta finish this up. I mean, I'll come back to this. This is so important. I'll come back to it next time. But look at 106 verse 13. After describing the Red Sea experience in verse 11 and 12, and Psalm 106, it says they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them, watch it, he gave them their request. That was for meat. Remember? They got meat. But he sent leanness to their soul." Why they were rebelling against him, so they didn't get what they wanted in reality. they got me, but they got to it to the point where it was making them sick. They were gluttons, and God sent leanness into their souls. okay, Folks, we're going to take it up. I've talked too much about my experiences, and not enough from the word, but I think they help illustrate what we're talking about. Uh, we'll take it up there next time. let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for your word. Minister to our hearts. Challenge us. Help us to trust you, God, even in the times when you're silent. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.